This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home? Or takeout. I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork, egg foo young, sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Welcome to Special Sauce, Serious Seats podcast about food and life. Every week on Special Sauce, we talk to some of the leading lights of American culture, food folks, and non-food folks alike. And have you thought about running for office? <laughs> I thought about it once years ago, and then I found out that you got to tell a lot of lies, and I said, I don't know if that's going to work. And I saw the trouble that politicians can get into, and I said, I'll take my chances on barbecue. This week, it is indeed our great pleasure to welcome one of the nation's premier barbecue pit masters, whole hog auteur, restaurateur, and dare I say chef, Rodney Scott. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you, Rodney? <laughs> so good to see you, Reverend. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he is the proprietor of Rodney Scott's Whole Hog Barbecue in Charleston, South Carolina. He was just named the best chef southeast by the James Beard Foundation. And I believe you were the first pit master to do so. I am. Congratulations. The, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So anyway, we are so honored to, that you've graced us with your presence. I know you have a zillion things to do. Thank you all for here. having me. Oh, it's great, man. So let's start by uh, asking you about life at the Scott family table growing up. Wow. Life at the Scott family table growing up. It was interesting. Uh we all sat down on Sundays to eat, you know, me and my mom and my dad. Uh, every Sunday after church, we would sit and eat. Uh, throughout the week, whenever we had a chance, we would eat, you know, one or two cooked meals. My favorite was Wednesday nights when my mom made pork and beans, which is baked beans over rice. That was one of my favorite meals I remember growing up with her. Um, it was It was interesting. You sat there and you ate. It wasn't a lot of conversation. You just ate. You liked it or you didn't. You know, it was. <laughs> but you were. Nobody asked for your opinion. No, nobody asked for your opinion, and you better had to eat. <laughs> eat or no drink. You right. know that was my mom's rule, and of course, a lot of times I got my drink because I did eat. <laughs> so, were you living near the store? As a child growing up, yeah. no, we lived ten miles away. Got it from the store. Yeah. 
We're 10 miles out. And uh, I just, I moved close to the store back in 2000. I was across the street from the restaurant. So you were 10 miles from the store, which we should say was as much a convenience store as it was a barbecue joint, right? Definitely. It was exactly, that's exactly what it was. So, and tell us about how it came to be at this convenience store in Hemingway, South Carolina, two hours from Charleston. It started with, uh, we did whole hogs barbecue sandwiches like most gas stations do hot dogs. It mm-hmm. was just an extra income, just a quick side meal. And we did it on Thursdays. And uh, the demand of people wanting barbecue, they get in one sandwich, two, or they would buy a pound. That increased, and we went from Thursdays to Fridays. Then we moved to Saturdays, and we noticed an increase in demand, and we stopped focusing on the general store, and we focused on the barbecue itself. Was it still a working farm? Yes, we were still working on the farm, cropping tobacco, plowing corn, planting beans, planting corn. You know, I've rode tractors for Hours and hours. You probably learned how to drive a tractor when you were 10? Six. Six? Yes. They put you on the seat. They gave you the procedures. They showed you one gear. (laughs) And you learned how to put it in that one gear and steer it going real slow down the road. Wow. And we got to the end. Somebody would run in front of the tractor and help you stop it. And then they would turn it around, put it in the next row, and put you back in the seat, and you did it again. And you were growing tobacco, and then were you drying it too, or you sent it to the sheds? We grew it. We dried it. We loaded the <laughs> barns. We unloaded the barns. I mean, I did it all. Wow. Pick cucumbers, uh, butter <laughs> beans, all that. Barbecue was easier than farming. Yes, Oh, my God, yes. But that's that's hard to believe because barbecue is like a 24-7 thing, too. That's all right. It's easier than farming. <laughs> you imagine a snake crossing the field in front of you while you're picking cucumbers, and you don't know where that snake went, and you got to move bushes back to pick cucumbers. It's like, wait a minute, where'd that snake go? You know, you're walking down this long row, and you see bear prints in the field. You don't know, was that really a bear? Is it close by? And if it really is a bear, do I really want to know that? Exactly. You you know, so I prefer the barbecue pit. (laughs) I can deal with the heat. I know what's around me. I can see what's coming. So you gravitated towards the barbecue pit. Yes, I did gravitate towards the barbecue pit. So you were working the store and the fields all through high school? All through high school, all through childhood. You know, we, we farmed on days. We cut wood on certain days. We cook barbecue on other days. You did this great short film with Joe York from the Southern Foodways Alliance called Cut, Chop, Cook, yes. which I think is a brilliant but extremely abbreviated description of how you made your barbecue, at least at, at Hemingway. I want every delicious, gory detail because I don't think I've ever met anyone who started with cutting the trees down. Well, uh, the the cutting the trees down came with the discipline of you having to do chores. Right. So in the, in the middle of doing chores, you had to go help cut wood. And we if we did two hogs or four hogs, whatever, we had to have enough wood to get it done. And my dad never would let you lay around in the afternoons. You got off the school bus, you did homework, you went to work, or you went to work and came home and do homework. 
Wow. Very hardworking environment. You know, it wasn't always I'm going to the neighbor's house to play ball. Right. There was, had, no, there was little of that during the week, probably. Very little. Very, very little. And then where we live was so remote, the neighbors were a quarter mile up the street. Or should wow. I say the dirt road? Right. So you always had to work, and cutting wood was one of those things. And, of course, after cutting wood, you had to load it, haul it, help unload it at the barbecue pit. And if you were out of school, you had to cook. And first you had to take the wood, cut it, and I've seen a film of you doing that. And then you put it in a uh, homemade chimney, uh, you know, that made it into coal. Exactly. Those were old fuel drums from old tobacco barns or any type of home that had an oil system, an oil heating system that we used. And before we had hydraulic splitters, you had to split wood by hand. So I had to swing an axe. You know, <laughs> I had to load it up. There was a point in my life where I had to split one to three truckloads of wood myself every day. Are you kidding? Every day. And that was after school? That was after school. You can get one in, and that Friday or Saturday, you get another one in. And if it was wintertime and school break, you worked every day, so you get two or three truckloads in a day. Oh, my God. That's insane. Work was so intense, and my dad was so serious about it. My graduation night. Your high school graduation? My high school graduation. I'm 17 years old. I walk out. And I speak to my dad, holding my diploma, and he says, you need to be at the barbecue pit at 12 o'clock tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. So <laughs> let's finish the process. So you you making the coal from the wood that you've split. Then you split the hogs, right? Yes. You you put them on the grill. You specialize in whole hog barbecue. That's the, that's the thing that's you did. That's my specialty, yes. Right? So... You put it skin side down, am I right? Skin side up. Skin first. side up. Okay. Skin side up. So and that and when when did the hogs go in? Like you must have been working all night. Three nights a week, we worked all night long. Uh, we had guys there in the daytime, and I was there all night. So being there all night, you had to keep the fire going to keep enough hot coals to fire up your hogs. With that being said, you had to have enough coals to fire anywhere from two to 15 hogs because you never knew how many you were going to cook. And holidays meant increased numbers, which means more work at night, which could mean two burn barrels going at the same time. It, it's, it was intense. It was hard work. What incredible discipline and work ethic your parents instilled in you. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> you, you had to work or you were in trouble. Right. And I did not want to get in trouble. So... <laughs> It was work, work, work. And yet you still say that barbecue is easier than farming. It still was. Yes, it definitely <laughs> was. You're talking getting on a tractor at about 7 in the morning. Right. You're not going to get off that tractor until maybe 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Dust, sand, flying all over the place. Snakes, bears. Snakes, bears. At noon, you got to hope that you don't use all your water before noon. It's it's inconvenience. You're in the woods somewhere plowing a field. That's so, so crazy. So the barbecue took off. Yes. And sort of left the convenience store stuff in the dust, no pun intended. Yes. And so that's what your parents did every day when you were in school. Yes. 
And then you came home, and you did you have siblings? Just me. Just you. Yes, so, so it was just the three of you keeping this barbecue joint and convenience store, which was only a convenience store at the end, probably no days a week, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. You loved it, though. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't get the sense that you resented it or that you wanted to rebel and, and come to New York and be a poet or no. whatever. <laughs> My first dream was to be in the uh, auto body in mechanics because I love vehicles. You know? Got it. I'm, I'm, From I'm, being on the tractor when you were five. Being on a tractor, yeah. You know, I love the way vehicles operate. I love the way they, they drive everything about them. And yet... One of the things that I thought was really interesting in another film I watched of yours was that music sustained you. Yes. Music is the one drug that I hope to never heal from. <laughs> That's an addiction that I always want to have. And music. so even in high school, when you were coming home, there would be music. There was always music. Always, always. music. Always. And that sustained you even to this day. That's still my medicine. I did notice you were a fan of Naughty by Nature. Yes. You were a fan of um, Anthony Hamilton, That's The Best my of favorite. Me. favorite, yes. Oh, my God. And you're a fan of Don't Make Me Beg by Tucker. Yes. <laughs> but which one of them is your karaoke jam? I would have to say Anthony Hamilton. Really? Yeah, giving you the best of me. That I've seen this guy in concert so many times. My wife looks at me and say, again? And I would say yes, <laughs> you know? And we, the last show we saw him at, uh, we had the pleasure of sitting front row, and it was Charlie Wilson and Anthony Hamilton performing that night. So you had a legend, and you had my favorite. And Anthony Hamilton looked down in the first row and saluted me. Because he knew he'd yeah. seen you so many times. And not only that, we uh, turns out that we have a mutual friend. Really? That knows him. And they told me that he remembers a lot of faces and he loves to cook. <laughs> and at that same show, he mentioned he likes a lot of eggs in his potato salad. And I was like, that's my man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I, uh, I spent many years in the music business. I was in the jazz business. You probably don't know this, but I, like, ran a jazz club. Wow. I produced some Dr. John records. I've done all kinds of weird shit, Rodney. Nice. You know, it's like, <laughs> but never driven a tractor when I was five. Probably never driven a tractor at all. It was crazy. So people started paying attention. You were this... Convenience store slash barbecue joint in the middle of rural South Carolina. Yes. Right? Two hours from Charleston. I remember I got really, my wife got really mad at me <laughs> because um, we were visiting some people in Charleston. I was like, this is barbecue joint I got to go to. And I said, I think it's only an hour away because I knew it was the <laughs> only way I could get, get to go. <laughs> So it's like, and then she's like, okay, we're an hour and a half. Oh, no, we're, we're right here. We're right here. So <laughs> what happened? Was it the Southern Foodways people? Like, how did people get to know that you existed Amazing. beyond your area code or your zip code? Amazing story. Reggie Gibson, who can go for Donald Sutherland, if you're blinking your eyes real fast, uh, an architect from Charleston. And he was mutual friends with John T. Edge, whom we all know is with SFA. Right. And Reggie told John T., you think you know barbecue or had barbecue, you should check out this little spot out in the country. So Reggie sent John T. John T. came in, tasted, liked what he tasted, 
And it just went from there. The invitation came to come do an SFA dinner in right, Charleston. Right, I think that's where I'm. Oh, you yeah. know, I met. I think you'd also do the conference in Oxford. I did. Yeah, I did. To, yeah, the Oxford conference as yeah. well. And uh, it was the Southern Foodways Alliance that introduced me to Nick. And uh, Nick from uh, Jim and Nick's. Jim and Nick's Nick in Mahakas, Birmingham. Yes. Who's sort of this barbecue business ambassador? Oh, right. Yeah. Nick's great dude. He's he's he he kind of guided me to help me improve my craft, my mm-hmm. business, and and even gave me ideas to help just move myself forward. Yeah, he you know, I've only met him a couple of times, but people talk of him about him so reverentially because he uh, he's not one of these guys who gives you advice and then expects a return. No, he don't expect anything. You know, he he and I are have been so tight for so many years that he was my best man. Really? At my wedding. Wow. So we're that tight. So was it weird when people started making pilgrimages from all over the world to your humble barbecue joint in Hemingway? Like, did they ask you to autograph their aprons? Like, what <laughs> what happened? What was that like? Oh man, it was it was humbling. It was uh, it was uh, an experience that I, I just couldn't believe. But just to sit there and go through it made me step back and take a look at my personality, you know, my craft that caught the attention, my respect for the people who took the drive out to Hemingway because it's quite a ride. Yeah. And it, it made me appreciate the people appreciating what I do. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always tried to give him, give them that respect and that Southern charm that I've always thought was everywhere in the world. You know, some people who do that, I don't feel like it's genuine. But I feel like you really do like to meet people and watch them enjoy your food. Like, I think you should be a politician. Have you thought about running for office? (laughs) I thought about it once years ago. And then I found out that you got to tell a lot of lies. And I said, I don't know if that's going to work. And I saw the trouble that politicians can get into. And I said, I'll take my chances on barbecue. (laughs) So... Do you think that the values your parents instilled in you sort of enabled you to drink this celebrityhood in without getting tripped up by it? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, every time I'm recognized or appreciated for something or I get some accolade, it also takes me back to the humble beginning of be respectful, be patient, be aware of what you did and try to make it consistent over and over and over. Right. You know, to take a step back, uh, the week after I got back from Chicago from the award ceremony, I was dumping trash, and a young lady showed up and said, wow, you dump your own trash? And I said, yes, why not? <laughs> but it, it, I appreciate, I love it. I'm, I'm loving the ride, loving the wave, all the same time. I'm respecting and wanting to inspire Everybody that's heard about it, that encounters me, that wants to know how can they get started on their craft. Right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten as both a pitmaster and as a business person? And what's the what's the one piece of advice you would give to anybody who wants to make great barbecue or open a barbecue joint? I know that's a bunch of questions. Wow. The one great piece. I would have to say it came from my mom, and it wasn't directly towards barbecue. She said, respect will take you where money never will. And with that being said, I like to respect people in what they do. 
And the second piece of advice, which came from, again, Nick, be influential. Influence. Continue the, the, the movement, the respect. Pay it forward. Exactly. Pay it forward. Because you never know who you touch, who you can reveal. And the two things that I got the very week after James Beard was two barbecue guys said to me, these guys are unknown. They're backyard guys. They just have a dream. One guy said, I'm going to study for my serve safe because I want to start pulling my trailer and do the right thing. Wow. Another guy said to me, I believe you now. Here's a picture of my rig. I'm going to start setting up my catering job. I have all my paperwork. Two people. Amazing. Two people. And I felt like I've reached the world. Yeah. With just those two. And, And I want to inspire people to let them know that you can do anything you want. You can take what you believe in and just make the best of it. Just be respectful and, and continue be respectful to of the process, exactly. right? Exactly. It's, there's no such thing as, as a shortcut in what you do. Is no there? shortcuts. No shortcuts. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> and probably every time you tried to take one, you've, it, 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 it boomeranged on you. Ooh, quite a few of them did. Yes. <laughs> quite a few did. Uh, so, you know, be, be patient. Follow the process. Don't be in it just for fame or fortune, but be genuine with it. Right. And and be influential. Yeah. Be respectful. Yeah. And and I mean, you have to take it slow. You can't speed things up. I mean, how long are the hogs on the twelve hours the hogs are cooking? Twelve hours. Twelve hours. That's a lot of jams, man. Yes, sir. To listen to man, in twelve I hours. Party. I party too. I'm telling you, I start slow and I pick it up later on. I party. Yeah, you might see some of the most awful dancing in the world, but it don't matter because I'm in my zone. Yeah, barbecuing and partying. That's great. When people started paying attention to what you were doing in Hemingway, like John T. and Nick Robinson, did those two play a role in your decision to open your own joint in Charleston? They did. Um. Doing that dinner and seeing the appreciation that people gave me for that dinner let me know that other people in other areas understand and appreciate barbecue, not just Hemingway. Because in my mind, it was just Hemingway that was appreciating the barbecue and nobody else outside of the area. But all the same time, they kept saying, you saw how that person appreciated it. Maybe you should think about it. And that played a big part. I said, if I can do that dinner— and that dinner was about 100 people, why don't I take about 100 people a day and pretend I'm doing a dinner and open up this restaurant? So it it gave me that inspiration and to what year take was the that? chance. The, that was 2015 when we made that decision. Got it. Late, late 15, we made that decision to finally go ahead and do it. And did you have to get outside investors? Like, how did you do it? Oh, man, like, you wrote a business plan, did the whole deal? No, that's where me and Nick just put our heads together Got and it. said, let's start searching. And we did. We searched. We were patient. You know, we did our homework. We, we did our travels. And we, we put our heads together and created some extra recipes. And here we are. Yeah, it's amazing. And so the, is the Hemingway place still open or no? Hemingway is still open. My Got mom it. and dad are in control of that. So that gave me more opportunity to focus on Charleston. Got it. I didn't have to worry about what's happening at home. And you didn't have to feel guilty about it. Didn't have to feel guilty at all. And I just moved on and went and got the ball rolling in Charleston. Wow. That's so great. And so, Nick, 
And and John T. I suppose really helped in in enabling you to move to Charleston, very which much is a, so. Which is a very different kind of a place, right? It's it's a real restaurant. It's not a convenience store turned no. into a barbecue joint. It's, it's right? a full restaurant. It's a full restaurant. You're Amy. making fried catfish. Yes, You're, sir. You know. Um, and how does that make you feel? Is it was it difficult to make the transition? No, the adjustment was more of. Uh, a staffing thing was my biggest challenge. Um, making the adjustment, working with people, trying to show them something that I've been doing all my life. I had to learn how to prepare them the right way. You had to learn how to school people. Exactly. So it was a learning process for me as well as all of the new folks that were coming in. And, you know, one thing I do really, really appreciate about John T. and Nick that a lot of people will probably never believe is that they weren't there just to pat you on the back. They were there to discipline you as well. Right. You know, they let you know, hey, this is, there's a certain way to do things, and I think you should reconsider this or do it a different way. They weren't afraid to be that big brother, if you will. Yeah. To let you know that you're not just all praises here. We're going to discipline you to make sure that you don't make any mistakes. Yeah. And and just realizing that was more appreciative than them saying, good job, good job. Right, for sure. You yeah. know, that that shows that you need uh, people to tell you. You got to have people to tell you. You know, it's true. And we should mention that our mutual friend John T. Edge is recuperating from a terrible car accident. Yes. But I've been emailing him every week, Rodney, and he seems to be doing better. I think he's getting really impatient sitting on the couch, <laughs> yeah. watching TV, <laughs> movies, reading books. I checked on him several times, too. <laughs> <laughs> seems like he's doing OK, but we send them. Our love and our prayers. Yes. Get well soon, John T. I'm going to have to leave it right here for your first episode of Special Sauce, but we are going to keep talking about Charleston, race and barbecue, more about music. For the next episode, I want to thank you for coming on. We're going to keep it right here, and we'll see you next time, Serious Eaters. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home? Or takeout. I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. From PR.